everybody, and welcome to Nerdy 430, the podcast where comedian Tim Keck and I talk about nerdy-ish things for 30-ish minutes. Today, we're talking about one that I'm, I'm thrilled to be talking about. I don't know if we're going to get a chance to talk about it on the show. You've seen the title of the episode. You already know what it is. It's everything, everywhere, all at once. Tim, what did you think? What did I think, Kevin? I'd love to hear what you think first. If you could, we, we started off with your, oh, your impression no. of what you think of this movie. No, no, I don't want to do that because when we do this, it's just you setting me up so I can come in real hot with a take and talk about what I liked about the movie. And then you can come in and shit all over it. That's exactly what I'm trying to do, Kevin. <laughs> I am no. so envious of your love for this movie. I really wish... I really wish I loved it. You, everyone says they loved it. Everyone was like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. You're throwing out like one of my all time favorites and I want to be there, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't get there. I was checking my watch. It was repetitive at points. If they cut out and I'm not even joking about this 45 minutes, you'd have an okay. amazing movie. Okay, it's we're a two get to hour that. and 20 minute movie. If they trim out 45 minutes, you've got a great time. But it it wasn't. It was too long. It was too muddled. It felt like they really wanted an Oscar. That's the kind of the tone I got from this. And I, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so, Kevin. I think I don't know. I, I wish I wish I loved it as much as you did. Okay, I will get to the cuts. We'll get to all that. But first off, in defending what I like about this movie so much, I I texted I was texting people immediately after I saw this, like the credits were still rolling and I was already telling people how much I enjoyed this movie. Um, I think for me, it's that it hit all of my quadrants. It hit all four quadrants for me. And then I recognized that as soon as the credits were rolling, but I didn't even know at that point what the four quadrants were. So I've been trying to break down <laughs> what makes a movie extremely appealing to me. Each what quadrant is one hour. So if it breaks the four hour mark, Kevin's like all Jesus in on this. Christ. He's like, good. This okay. is great. This is good. If it repeats itself a bunch, drag it out. You know, you want to stretch it out. I think. You're going to hate the first quadrant that I have here. I, I think I'm going to lose a it. lot of people immediately. Convert me. Convert me. I'm ready. Asian The people. movie has to be. <laughs> <laughs> Strong oh disagree from me, God. Kevin. I'm out. I'm out on this already. Not a fan. JK. JK. Jesus Christ. Joking. I love it. Uh, it's going to it's going to sound like a joke now. What I was going to say is I want the movie to be very colorful. I mean, oh my that, God, I mean that in a literal colorful. sense. Jesus. I mean that in like I just have noticed about myself that if there's a movie that is very dingy, very gray, if there's a TV show that's just very, I don't know, dark and grim. I don't enjoy it as much. Going back through a lot of movies that are like, well, you know, that wasn't a great movie, but there was something about it though. Something about it I liked. I think the thing about it that I liked is that it was very bright and colorful. So I'm like a I'm like a three year old in that way. If it's bright moving colors, I'm going to be entertained and I'm going to like it. I think that's a good quadrant. That's a great quadrant. I I agree. It, it helps to be able to see what's going on in the movie. I think that's I think that's okay. Quadrant one makes sense. I've got my All own right. quadrants too. I've got I've I've just got two, but I'll let you finish your your quadrants first. Oh, I fucking love this. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait for that. My <laughs> second quadrant is the movie has to make me laugh, but also 
make me cry. Oh, jeez, fuck off. <laughs> if it's Jimmy Valvano over things. here, oh if you laugh, God, you dude. cry, and you learn something, you had a good day. Yeah, that's me. You know what? I'll <laughs> I'll call that the Jimmy V quadrant. Yeah, the Jimmy V quadrant. Uh, so. Let's see. Uh, third quadrant. Third quadrant. We're ready. We're going through Kevin's big quadrants, the big four. I can see the blank look in your eyes. You've already forgotten your quadrants. See, this is a weak argument that you're, you're defending your quadrants. You don't even remember what they are. You don't remember what you liked about this movie. I think that's the thing. And it's hard because it happened so long ago that you saw this movie. When it started, we were kids. We were just coming up in the scene. The podcast was fresh. (laughs) (laughs) The third quadrant is that I want to feel like the movie covered a lot of ground. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm just opening it up. It's just a fucking quadrants. (laughs) Fucking pathetic quadrants. Uh, you told me you liked <laughs> colorful. My I want to laugh and cry. That's a pretty sneaky quadrant. You've got two different quadrants in one quadrant. With- <laughs> <laughs> it would help if I separated the quadrants. Colorful. Do you know how much laughing and crying? It would be? And then I want it to cover some ground. I want the movie to like do what movies do and like do the do the thing. No, okay, never mind. I'm. I don't mean to shit on your quadrants keep going what's the fourth quadrant? elaborate on the third quadrant what do you mean by covering ground when i go to a party if i go to a party and i make it in the front door and i get in a conversation with someone even if it's a great conversation but if i stay there the whole night and i don't explore the rest of the house see other people that party feels like uh it feels like a missed opportunity to me feels like it could have been better i like to go to a party i like to talk to everybody that's there I like to kind of make my way through all the different rooms of the house. I like to really get a lay of the land. Uh, I like that with the movie, too. If a movie is set in one tight, confined space the entire time, not necessarily for me. You know, I didn't see 127 hours. I bet that's one of those. Uh, Yeah. Let's see here. Best parts of Tim Cloverfield Lane were when we weren't in the pressure cooker. I'm not a bottle episode guy. I guess. Right. Hypothetically, if an entire movie took place in one like tax office, that would be a detriment to you. It's not. <laughs> I mean, it's something for my personal taste. It's something that the movie would have to overcome. Yeah. And I know that like if Breen or Dave are listening to this, they're just fucking retching and vomiting right now because, yes, they I love get it. it's a great opportunity. You get character growth. It's a lot of things that I love, but I also like. I personally like to see a lot of stuff play out. I love the amount of ground that this movie covered. I loved how much we saw of all the different multiverses. And when you and when and when people hear, so when you're talking about, I want to cover a lot of ground. People might be thinking metaphorically, he wants the story to evolve and unravel a tale. You're talking about like the physical ground that they are covering. You just want a lot of it. You just want a lot of you like a lot of ground, a lot of physical ground in the movie. I guess I like world building. I like to see a oh, okay. lot of the world. There we go. You've got some world building. That's fun. I and sure. I got to disagree with you. Back to your party point. I strongly disagree. I don't want to talk to everybody at a party. I want to go. I want to talk to one guy for two hours. I want to like laugh. I want to cry <laughs> like your second quadrant. I want to learn something and then I want to leave and I want him to be like, man, that Tim guy was pretty cool and everyone else at the party would be like, Tim was never here and <laughs> then just Tim? leave and just be like a figment. And I'll be like, yeah, I was at that party. And then just nobody remembers if I was there or not. And I just want to 
I'm there just to fuck with people because that's the only joy that is brought to me by parties anymore. Tim, that COVID you just, just made me described recluse. therapy. <laughs> that's why my, me and my therapist only go to parties. <laughs> she was like, Zoom therapy. I was like, no, there's a bar down the street. Meet me there. It's my friend's birthday. It'll be great. Uh, okay, fourth quadrant, Kevin. I'm, I'm hoping this is the entire podcast. Fourth quadrant. <laughs> If there's action, it's got to be impressive. I hate a lame ass, boring action scene. There are so many action scenes in these like milk toast movies that we've talked about on the podcast so far, where it's just like, why did you put this action scene in your movie if you're not going to try to make it interesting? There's so much you can do. I feel like, uh, I mean... What are some of the ones where we were completely blown away by the action sequences in terms of like, I remember Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. One of the things that blew us away was the stakes present in the action sequence. Uh, But the choreography in both of those were phenomenal as well. Um, Gunpowder Milkshake had a really weak story overall, in my opinion, but at least the action sequences were pretty damn good. Like the numb arm fight and that kind of stuff. Um, if you're going to put an action scene in a movie, I, I want to feel like you earned it and you put a lot of thought into it. And I think that happens a lot of the time when the action is there to serve some kind of growth. It's there to further the plot as opposed to just being, OK, we need to see things blowing up or a car chase for the next five, ten minutes. Uh, and I mean, this movie really, really excelled in that. There were so many examples in this film of uh, an action sequence showing us some form of character growth and a lot of i mean a lot of good action sequences that i hadn't seen before you know they open with like a fanny pack fight i mean i was kind of like cool we're like an hour in like when are we gonna see some fighting and then yeah the fanny pack fight that was cool then there's like the whole like people fighting with like people are fighting with dildos people have like trophies in their butts and they're fighting uh i just thought it was so funny and goofy and the, the fighting in this was great i wish we'd gotten more of it but mm-hmm. the fighting was awesome. It was so goofy and fun. And yeah, it was great. It was great. So, Tim, I got to I got to know, what are your two quadrants? Hit me. I've realized I only have two quadrants. I've been thinking a lot about this recently because I've been arguing with people about who listen to the podcast and they're like, you glossed over a bunch of stuff, you know, and I'm calm. I'm often like, you know, the Batman dumb people are going to think this is good. The Joker dumb people are going to think it's good. And I realize I'm looking at these things really through just two lenses of what I want from a movie. One, which is what I think both of us really enjoy on this podcast is story. I want good writing. I want a good story. I want good writing. That's number one for me. Uh, And number two, actually, I mean, I guess I need both of these. The second quadrant is fun. I just want to have fun at a movie. Mm. All I want is good writing and fun. I want to have a good time. And for, and I know it's, it's, this movie's too long. I'm, I I keep saying it's too long, Kevin. (laughs) This is the most conflicted I've been about the length of any movie. Like this is, this is, this is a better edit. This is 45 minutes away from being maybe one of my favorite movies. Like it's baffling. Like the length of it is enough to like turn me off from the movie. Like I enjoyed, I enjoyed it a lot, but I don't like being in a movie and thinking like, okay, can you wrap it up? Like I was kind of at the end of the movie, I was kind of like, okay, 
it's time. All right. Okay. I get it. So I get it. And I couldn't help but do that the whole end of the movie. And that's not that's not a that's not a love it movie for me. Interesting. So for you, you're saying it's like, you know, getting the uh, extra large ice cream sundae. It's like, look, this is delicious. But fuck, there's way too much of this. You should not have given me that extra scoop. Listen, I'm a cone boy. I love a good cone. And I remember getting a cone one time and I got like the soft serve. And I'm like, really, all I want, all I want out of a waffle cone, I'm telling you, ice cream places would would crush if they did this. They charge like a little less. All I want is the cone and like enough ice cream to like fill the cone. That's it. I don't want extra. I just want enough so that every single bite is ice cream and cone like together. Like that's the best. That's my favorite thing about an ice cream cone. And I think the last time I got one, the dude was like, I got a small because I'm like, I don't need extra ice cream. And the dude's like, I got you hooked me up, just fucking poured a gallon (laughs) of ice cream on top and handed it to me like I was doing him a favor. I'm like, cool. I hope the trash can outside loves ice cream because I just dropped the top half of it in there. And now I'm enjoying my sweet little cone. Like, I don't need this extra bullshit. I want to get to the good stuff. And I, this is, I'm telling you, I've never, I, the length thing is agonized. I've never been this frustrated with a movie's length before ever. And I had to watch the Joker twice. And this is the hardest because it's, this movie is so cool, Kevin. It's so weird. The fight scenes are so crazy. I, I don't think I've ever seen a movie like this before. Uh, I've seen things like this before. I mean, I, I made a joke earlier, you know, in our chat today that it's like a, somebody took a Rick and Morty episode and tried to turn into like an Oscar bait movie. And it kind of <laughs> has that vibe where they're like multiverse and you're here and you've got weird fingers and and all this stuff. It feels like things that I've seen before. But if I really take a step back, it's like I've never seen it all in a movie this good before. But Man, I was just I was checking my watch. I'm sorry. I don't know what I, oh, I feel my. bad about it. I feel bad that I was. So when what was the first moment in this movie where you noticed yourself feeling the time? I I mean, I guess I thought there was going to be a. I think the action started a little late for me. I like kind of mm. wanted action a little sooner and they really took their time getting to the action. And then. I think the moments that stood out to me was they had these cutaways that were very funny with like hot dog fingers with the raccoon ratatouille joke. And they kept going back to them. And about like the third or fourth time they went back to ratatouille world. I was like, I don't need to see ratatouille world anymore. I don't need to see it. And it sucks because it's like, when I'm like, they need to cut out 45 minutes. It's like that would have saved them like 30 million dollars because they are like this. <laughs> this movie looks incredible. They are they are It's so fast. Like they're cutting to like a million different scenes. The makeup's crazy. They're like doing so much in that time. But so much of it is like repetitive and unnecessary. And the raccoon world was cool. It looked cool. They had a whole different set. They had different actors. They had this animatronic raccoon. They had a whole story there. And it's like we needed half of that. If that, you know, it's a joke. Just give us the joke. We don't need to keep going back to it. There were so many things like that where they just kept going back to the fingers. I didn't want to see Jamie Lee Curtis like with hot dog fingers. I don't care. Like, I don't. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it for it was like 10 minutes of the movie was hot dog fingers. You know, like 10 minutes of the movie was the raccoon. Like, it's crazy. Maybe not actually that long, but it felt like 
It felt like that long. I don't know. I'm, but it was cool. But if it's like, if it's less, it's more, Kevin. I can't emphasize enough. That raccoon thing made me laugh so hard. And then I saw it eight more times. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what to do with that. I don't, I feel like I'm going crazy. That's interesting. I, my next question for you is what you were going to cut. Thinking about that, before you said that, I didn't realize that they really did wrap up all of the threads that they opened up. You know, we got like a full closure ending on each and every single one of those variations. Multiple times. They like, they have like a, like the story like kind of ends multiple times where she's having these conversations with her kid and it seems like they resolve everything, but then like, oh, they didn't actually resolve anything. And then actually they did resolve everything. And then actually they did. And like the conversation I thought was like in itself kind of repetitive. And then like the raccoon thing, like Jamie Lee Curtis leaves and then she comes back and then they dance and they put their fingers in each other's mouths. And it's just like so much, like there was so much. And I don't know if I left the movie with like a philosophy. Maybe I did. You leave the the like, what do you think the thesis statement of the movie is? You know, it's interesting that you say that because I my big thing that appealed to me about this movie is that of all of the multiverse things I have read in comics of all of the multiverse movies I've seen so far when we're at the beginning of the multiverse revolution. Um This is the first one I've really seen where I feel like it had the strong moral of when you're confronted with everything. It's a philosophical thing I've talked to my friend Danny about. When you're confronted with everything, the immediate impulse is, and I think this is like a Nietzsche thing, to feel that everything is hopeless. It's the everything bagel. She completely gives up. She becomes a villain because nothing has meaning. And when you emerge from that, the other side of it is everything matters. Whatever you decide matters, matters. So you're able to take these things in your life and take a look at your life and accept where you are and live that life fully and accept like, this is my life. I love these circumstances. I love this hand that I've been dealt. Let's work with it. I think that's powerful. That's what I took from this, this movie overall is just the idea of like, look, none of this is perfect. Yes. If you'd done this differently, this would have happened. If a chimpanzee with hot dog fingers had killed the more humanoid chimpanzee, then, you know, we would all have hot dog fingers. Yes. Uh, that old Italian saying, if my grandmother had wheels, she would have been a bike. Yeah. Wonderful. But if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. Exactly. <laughs> but at the end of the day, those are not your circumstances. So what you need to do is take the circumstance that you have and work with that. Play the cards you're dealt. Um, even in like Spider-Man, it's like, I, I don't know that the takeaway of the multiverse stuff in Spider-Man was play the cards you're dealt. I loved Spider-Man No Way Home. I think the moral of that movie was maybe more along the lines of like, Aunt May died for a reason because our aunts or our uncles died too. Like, I don't know what he got from the other Peters outside of more like self-assurance that across all these different multiverses he was still fundamentally the same peter parker whereas in this movie she saw that across the different multiverses she was pretty different like life was pretty radically different for her um yeah yeah i agree i agree with your with your what you're saying i think that like that point is like the closest to like a thesis from the movie is like I love this argument. I think about this all the time. It's like everything that the grass is always greener 
because there's a multiverse where I'm like a movie star. But like also in that universe, there's downsides too. like everything's good. Everything's bad. Nothing's 100 percent happy. Everyone on the other side of the fence thinks the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. You know, like it's all Mm -hmm. that and nothing matters. And then everything matters. Right. Like whatever. I, I do get that. I do. I do like that. I do appreciate that. I'm not really sure. I, I guess I I wasn't really sure how that resolved the conflict with the daughter. Like somehow she got that across to her daughter. I don't know. I, di- I didn't. I don't know. I don't really know how that message got across. But like to the Spider-Man point, again, we've been arguing with people about this all day is like all these multiverses. I get that maybe this hasn't. This is again, it feels more Rick and Morty to me, right? Because like I don't know if you've watched a lot of Rick and Morty, but there's like multiple universes, there's infinite Ricks, and there's all this like, you know, nothing matters. Like his family all dies. He goes to another universe and starts living with that family. Like it's all just like redundant, nothing matters. So what matters? It's like kind of the same kind of message. So I feel like I've seen this kind of thing before. And in Spider-Man, people are like, oh, the multiverse stuff is bullshit. It doesn't matter. But like the character is directly learning and being affected by the multiverse. He is getting like older mentors who are coming in, literally saving his life, preventing him from going down a dark path and teaching him how to be the best person he can be. So like, I I don't know. I get there's way more fan service in that. They are learning something from that, but like, I don't know. I'm not convinced this is like the best multiverse thing I've ever seen either. I'm also tired. I don't need more multiverse. I'm done. I don't need any more. Just in time for Dr. Strange, I'll be done. Yeah, I think Even uh, Doctor, Doctor Strange, Strange like, will be a nice cap. I don't know. It seems like Doctor Strange, I think, initially was supposed to come out before Spider-Man, mm. in which case Spider-Man is probably a little more grounded or like a little more like not all magical. But like, I don't know it. I don't need any more multiverse stuff. You know, we even got in a cartoon. We're going to go see Doctor Strange. I'm excited about Doctor Strange. They did a cartoon where they showed a multiverse Doctor Strange and what he did and how that backfired on him. So like then we're just going to watch the live action of like a cartoon that they did. Like I don't I don't need any more of this stuff. It's like it's like in the 90s when like eight rappers wrote songs about lollipops. Like go, come <laughs> on guys, like leave the house, buy a different candy bar, like anything. There's like more stuff out there. I think that the appeal of this one specifically, getting back to what you're talking about is that in Spider-Man, he was affected by the multiverse. He learned a lesson that resonated with him. But I don't know that I can take the same lesson that Peter learned and apply it to my life. In this movie, it's a lesson that anybody that watches the movie can take and apply to their own life. Because again, it is the more direct thing of like, for Peter, it's a self-assurance. For everything, everywhere, all at once, it's more of like, yeah, there's going to be things about your life that are not ideal. Um, but exactly like you mentioned, the grass is always green argument. There is an overarching philosophy here that I think is is deep and empowering. And I get I get why people are walking away from this movie being like, this is incredible. Never seen anything like this before. But I'm I guess I'm worried I'm too jaded. Kevin, am I going to get excited about a movie? Everyone's so excited about this movie. And I was like, uh, I don't know. I wish I was more excited about this. I I. But they did so many good things. We should talk about some good things. Should we do some let's beefs do and thieves? Wanna, yeah, let's do it. You want to start with beefs or start with thieves? I, my biggest beef is the time. Like, that's pretty much my only complaint is like oh. it gets redundant. It gets repetitive. They cut. They cut. If they cut 45 minutes and like, I don't know why there's an obsession with long movies. Like there's an art in trimming a movie. Like editing is like a whole thing. Like that's what makes a movie 
and it felt very repetitive to me at the time. I don't know. We've already we've already beat it to death, but uh, yeah, I got it's kind of where I'm at. Where's the beef? They got <laughs> Randy Newman to do the music for Rakakuni, which is incredible. I've listened to the song a few times. <laughs> I need to it listen. made me laugh so hard. I could not believe it. Um, but then they also had they had Randy Newman voice Rakakuni. Randy Newman's not known for voicing Pixar characters. Get somebody else. Why is Randy Newman voicing Rakakuni? Why not? Who cares? It sounded fine. I got it. We all got the joke. I mean, sure. It just feels like, you know, I don't know. It feels like I, we made a recipe the other day where we had to make a bunch of veggie sausage. And we were supposed to separate half of the veggie sausage, set it aside. We continued making a sauce for the pasta with the stuff that was still in the skillet. And then after it serving the dish, the instructions told us to top it with more of the veggie sausage. It's like, why the fuck? Why you want it? Just some of it's dry and some of it's wet. Why didn't yeah. we leave it all in the pan? We dirted another dish. This is that it's like, look, this is the veggie sausage is delicious. You know, loved having Randy Newman. There is one of my favorite, like little Easter egg things in the movie. Um, I don't know if I can get, get somebody else have anybody else in the cast voice the raccoon i've never seen ratatouille uh but is ratatouille the most referenced like cartoon of all time not cartoons not the right word but you know like disney movie pixar it's got to be the number one joke it's like shrek and ratatouille and then like everything else is just a movie in comparison right dude it's crazy lauren and i've been talking about this it i think it might just be because in Shrek's case, too, these movies are so incredibly original. Like there's nothing else really like them. They're not they don't fit easily into a pre-existing like genre mold. Um, and the idea like the idea at the bottom of Ratatouille is so fucking bizarre. I think it just stuck out. It made it over some hump. It came out in what, like 2000. Six. I don't know. That I didn't see it. When you were in high school. But I feel like it's been uh, around my whole life. I feel like they've been making Ratatouille jokes for decades. Wild, dude. <laughs> Just <laughs> insane that movie's still around. Let's get into Thieves, though. Okay. No, I want to hear... Uh, I think you're a thief. What's your thief, Tim? <laughs> what are my thieves? Uh, I... Um, I loved... I mean, I loved the fights. And I loved... When they went into a new multiverse, like the Kung Fu multiverse, which I was like waiting for, obviously, because this is the coolest thing where they see how her life diverged and then she goes on a path. And then later on, she needs like stronger pinkies and she sees an alternate version where that splits like those moments. I loved I wish we'd gotten even more of that of like, like, just give me new ones like we don't need to spend take you know, the 20 minutes you spent in fingerland and add that to other alternate realities. And the coolest part was like, they're doing all these fight scenes and all this fighting choreography. And then she goes and she's like, my mind is, Oh, she was like a hibachi chef, right? In the raccoon rat ratatouille world. She comes back and then she fights like a hibachi. Like she goes and picks up these skills and then brings them back. And then it immediately is utilized in combat. I mean, it's like, just like great storytelling 
through fighting choreography. When you talk about one of your quadrants being action that you've never seen before, I've never quite seen an action scene like this. It reminded me (laughs) to some extent of like free guy or something like that to like a much Mm -hmm. looser term where he's like, okay, I need a weapon. I'm going to like reach out and pull out a lightsaber. I'm going to reach out and pull this shield. It was like a way more original take on that. And it was so good. So fun. I mean, I loved it. I wish I I thought that's what the whole movie was going to be. I wish it was more of the movie, but it's definitely my thief. And I loved it. If I rewatch the movie, it's for that. Oh, my God, man. I'm so glad you brought up the pinkies. The pinkies were such a delight that I I feel like with any with any superhero property, if you do it right, you should walk out of theater like, damn, Shang-Chi might be my favorite superhero now, you know, and like with action movies, too, I feel like a good action scene you're walking out of it and you're like, if that was a weapon in a video game, I'd probably take it. So like uh, the rings in Shang-Chi really stood out to us. And like the fanny pack and the fanny pack scene at the beginning, it's like, fuck, dude, that's really cool. It's like that that creativity of anything can be a weapon if you look at it from the right angle. Uh, and holy fuck, the pinkies. Like, uh, what a wonderful one. I got one for you. I think you're a thief. <laughs> the daughter. I think the actress name is Stephanie Shu. Holy motherfucking shit. Was she good? This is like, I looked her up on IMDb. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything. I guess she was in like marvelous miss Maisel or something. Um, this was like a star making turn. This took her from someone that I'd never seen before to someone. I consider myself to be a fan. I cannot wait to see what else she does. We've talked before about the like that indelible badass quality. She has it when she's doing stuff as Jobu Tabaki. It is the coolest fucking shit in the world. Oh, my God. She's legit scary. Like, that's yeah. so hard. The the acting in this is incredible. Like the top the top three people like Michelle Yan, uh, Stephanie uh, H.S.U. Hugh, Sue, and then Ki Hugh Huan. Uh, as the dad were like amazing uh, like that tr- that trinity was incredible and then you got jamie lee curtis giving us some good minutes off the bench oh my god james hong crushing it every time he's in a scene james fucking hong dude uh, jenny slate playing big nose i mean you got like a lot of, you got a lot of, you got a deep bench here you know and uh i i'm glad you mentioned the daughter in the first half of the movie i was like the dad is incredible I love this guy. I was kind of like mm-hmm. I in the in the first half of the movie, I was like, the dad's the best actor here. Like, he's insane. He's so good. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, he's just in the fun. I was thinking of it as like the Barney Stinson role where mm-hmm. you're like you're like Joey on Friends. You're not like driving the plot. You're just like coming in and like you get to do the fun stuff. And he had like the funnest role of like going back and forth and then playing like like his his like main universe character was like so wimpy and fun and then they cut to him like smoking a cigarette outside and he's like a complete badass and then Mm -hmm. like like his character changed more than anyone else's in the movie like he was like a completely different person in all of these realities whereas like even the daughter went from like bratty high schooler to like just badass but this guy had more fun with the range so like if you take that aside and you like step back, then it's like, oh, he's not carrying the emotional weight that like Michelle Yan is and uh, Stephanie is. And it and then you're like, they're the only reason I'm still here. Really, it's like they're having these conversations. They're redundant, but they all feel powerful. They all feel impactful. I 
I, they're great. I mean, they, I, the acting in this was was top notch. It was incredible. It was so good. So good. Uh, dude, that scene in the hallway when she first comes in as Jobu Tabaki and is talking to the cop who says, like, you can't come in here. And she goes off on the whole tangent about, like, can't or you won't allow me to. Yeah. Every that entire sequence. Holy fuck. I, I mean, just that's when I knew this is going to be one of my favorite movies. It was awesome. It was awesome. Um, yeah. Did you think. Is this the best Michelle Yawn you've seen? I feel like I've seen her in a lot. So also, I wanted to say the dad was in Goonies and uh, yeah. Raiders of the. No, what was it? Uh, yeah, uh, Temple, Temple of Doom. Doom. He was I had no round. idea he was short round. Yeah, that's uh-huh. crazy. I had no idea. But uh, he was amazing. Michelle Yawn crushed it. Uh, I don't know if I've seen her in anything like this. Like she was funny. She was smart. I feel like this is like the meatiest acting role she's had. Am I crazy? I don't know what else I've seen her in like I that. Think- uh, maybe just in more like mainstream Hollywood stuff, because I, I think it was the ringer posted an article about her best action roles. And it's, I want to go back through and watch through the entire list. She was in, uh, I guess she took over the police story franchise from Jackie Chan after like police story two. Um, I want to go back and watch those for sure. I've been meaning to go back and watch a lot of Jackie Chan stuff for a while. Uh, legend of the drunken master is so fucking fun. So and I also, I never saw Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, obviously, that is a classic movie. So I've been told that her scenes in that are some of the best like fight scenes of all time. I mean, time. it's great. But, I mean, I've known her for, as like fight scenes. And then there's always been obviously like a language barrier where she's doing all these like international films. And uh, I don't know. It was just cool. It was just cool to like watch her cook and like. Mm-hmm going through all this stuff. I will say there's like another, I have one more thief. Are we still doing thieves? One last, yeah, one it, last thief I have. I think you're a thief. I think there is, there were, this is like specifically like a Chinese family and they just felt very cool that they were going back and forth from Chinese to English. It felt like very like slice of life for like a very specific demographic. My theater, a lot of Asian people in the theater and they were laughing at things that I did not think of laughing at at first. Like every time the mom was like mean to the daughter, it felt like all the Asian girls were like dying laughing at that. And their white boyfriends were sitting there as confused as I was like, this sounds like she's just being mean. Like, but it feels like, but I like that a lot. I love that. I love that this like resonates with people and it's, and it's very cool to like be in a room where like other people are getting, are taking away like other things and you're just looking at something differently. Like, I don't know. It maybe it just made me think about representation a lot. And like, I've seen a lot of people in the past like year or two talking about how like Asian Americans are like finally getting their due and finally getting representation. And I mean, as a as a white dude, you don't think about it. I don't I don't have to think about it because I have that I have the privilege of not worrying about that. And I see myself everywhere. So it's like, I don't know. It's just super cool that uh, that we're seeing representation like that. I love it. And honestly, it's, it's complex. It's interesting. It covers more ground as Kevin uh, Bauer would say. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's just great. I, I love that. I'm down to see that in movies. I'm down. I love going back and forth. I think it's great. It's great. It resonates with people with specific experiences, but that doesn't like impact our ability to enjoy the movie at all. Even though we haven't had that specific experience, it enriches it because we get to, I don't know, see life through somebody else's eyes. It's the dream of cinema, Tim. (laughs) 
yeah it's good representation matters and uh it's it's makes things more interesting to watch and it makes people feel seen it's great i love it i mean we need it i don't know you don't think about it but but i specifically saw the the male actor the guy that we're talking about like oh you know what he was in those movies were like 30 years ago and he's been like an actor since then and i saw the thing with him talking about like how hard it is for him to get work he got all those jobs as a kid and he's like he didn't love acting then. And then he found the passion and was like, I think I actually want to do this as an adult and didn't realize how hard the industry would be and how there just weren't roles for him out there. And mm-hmm. then he gets, gets an opportunity like this where he fucking rocks it, nails it out of the park and plays like one of the most complex characters I've seen in a movie in a while. And I don't know. I hope we see him in more stuff. I hope we see, we better see, we better see Stephanie Sue in more stuff. If we don't see her in anything, then I don't know what, I don't know what the fuck's going on. She's, she's a star. She's a mega star. And yeah, I don't know. I feel bad that we had to wait so long to see see these other actors. It's a shame. Right there with you. Yeah. Cool. And then should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's do it. We're going over just like this movie. We went a little, little too long. Thank you so much. Right now, right now is when the part two title card is going to hit. I will concede on that. When the part two title card came up, I had forgotten about the part one title card. And I was like, oh, no, it can't be halfway through now. (laughs) (laughs) The part two, man, honestly, I was when she just like died and it looked like they gave, gave you kind of a fake out like the movie's over. I was kind of like. Cool. This is awesome. <laughs> Honestly, I get why people are talking about this. Like, how amazing would it be? <laughs> how, how insane would it have been if they had this whole movie? We'd already seen like because all the best action scenes are in the in part one, right? And then part two, she dies, and then part two is kind of just like a lot more talk. So like, if it's over after part one and she's just dead on the ground and it's like a to be continued thing, I was like, my mind would have been fucking blown if that happened. And then, of course, they they come back and and finish the job they started, much to my chagrin. But it was, it was still good. <laughs> still great. Still happy to have them. Love everyone should see this movie if they have the time. Take a day off of work. Uh, you'll need it. <laughs> <laughs> Take, you got vacation days. Time to use them. See everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. Is that it, Kevin? You got anything else? No, I think that's it. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Go ahead. Rate us on iTunes. Rate us on Spotify. Five stars. Five stars. Uh, Shoot us an email. You know we still haven't got any. (laughs) You hear me talk about it every single week. I don't know how to check it. Ain't nobody biting. (laughs) If you you haven't been checking, I would love it if the inbox is just fucking stuffed full. It's got hundreds. It's a mile long. Oh, man. That's crazy. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.